Pat. So for our guests this morning, we are coming to the conclusion of a, a short kind of pre-Advent message series, message series. We've been contrasting four-letter words that we find in the scriptures and hopefully finding meaning out of them for us today. And so we began our conversation a couple of weeks ago talking about evil and good. Last week we talked about sins and work, and, and this week we're going to conclude this worship series with the understanding between hate and love. If you think about it, I would say that all of us would agree that the world is a, is a rather troubling place. It seems to have its despair that's ever-present and made known to us in a variety of different ways through all of our mass media and the conversations that we have. It appears that we as a culture and as a world are continually kind of sliding into darker and darker kinds of times, or at least that's the way we can paint the world. But I believe that as long as God's light and love lives in the hearts of God's people, darkness will never overcome the world. It simply calls for us as God's people to shine a little brighter, to shine light and hope in this world. What a great platitude, huh? If you think about it, how easy it is to say something like that, you know, to lift it up. But, but what does it really mean for us? How do we live out love in a world that seems to be more predicated towards hate? You know, I was reading this week uh, on the Internet some top ten lists, and, and particularly the list of things that we as humans universally despise, things that we universally hate. I thought I'd read to you one of the lists. You interested? Okay, good, because if you're not, you're going to hear it anyway, just letting you know. But top ten things that we universally revile as people. Number one, the rain. Or number ten, actually, the rain. Number nine, the cold. I'm ready for spring, but that's just me. I'm not a big fan of the cold. Number eight, math. Any of you got a young person at home that you're trying to help them figure out math these days, right? Or any of you trying to figure out math these days yourself, right? Math is one of those. Number seven, Justin Bieber. <laughs> now, now, for you of a certain age, you have no idea who Justin Bieber is. Ask a younger person, they'll tell you, and then you'll agree with number seven, right? Number six, being lied to. Number five, the way you look. Number four. The flu or a cold. Number three, we despise getting older. Number two, we don't like being in pain. And number one on the list is goodbyes. We don't like saying goodbyes. And that's one list of universal things that we as people hate. What would you change about it? What would you add to the list if you had an opportunity? What would be on your top ten list of things that you do not like, that you hate? I thought I'd add a few of mine to it. Flying insects of any kind whatsoever would be on my list. Flies, gnats, mosquitoes, and on and on and on. I am not a big fan of them. I would get rid of all of them, right? Oak mites, yeah, those two. Those would those be on my list, right? Spider crickets. I remember black crickets that sang in your basement and out in the yard. But what are these spider cricket things? I mean, I, we could get rid of those pretty easily. Wouldn't bother me whatsoever, right? Here is one that I think that I would add to the list as well. Reckless or inconsiderate drivers, you know who you are, you Johnson County people. Right? Or, how about this one? I think we'd all agree with this one. 
We would add to our list people who, uh, dis- who, who do not value or who abuse our time. Right? Time is the one commodity, if you think about it, you actually own. It is the one thing that you get to determine as your own property how you use and how you give away. It is precious to us, especially the older that we get. Time becomes more and more valuable to us. And so we do not like it when other people devalue or misuse our time. Ever heard the phrase, that was the biggest waste of time? something we value. I I know a young couple that are engaged, but they almost didn't get to that point. They met through means that are becoming more and more common today for young people. They met through an online screening service. They talked for a while, and then they decided that they would meet up and meet one another in person. So they set a date and a time to meet at the well in Waldo. The young man actually was on time. He got there on time. The young lady was late. Forty-five minutes late. He almost got up because he thought he was wasting his time, right? Now, luckily for both of them, he didn't leave. And so they are engaged. And she is working on being better at valuing his time and her time, right? There's an article out of Great Britain that quotes scientific work that says the brain uses the same neuroconnectors for the transmission of the messages of hate as it does love. Did you get that? We talk about the thin line between love and hate. In the brain, it's the same line that communicates those two things. Think about a recent topic of conversation that we've had nationally around political elections, how quickly we can distinguish between those. How many of you have heard the following or maybe have said even the following yourself? I have no idea why a conscientious Christian would vote for Donald Trump. He is, do I really need to name his list? You probably have heard all of the things on his list. And when you know these things about him, then you as a Christian should oppose him at all costs. You should hate him. Or maybe you've heard it said, I have no idea why a conscientious Christian would vote for Hillary Clinton because she is. I probably don't need to define her list. Some of you have probably heard her list as well. And after all, because of her list, we as Christians should oppose her at all costs. We should... See, that's the problem. According to pundits and political commentators, it says that we have reached a point in our society where we now demonize one another because we disagree with each other politically. It leads us as members of a civil society to be incivil with one another. To almost communicate through our words that we hate each other. I don't think any of us want to be in that realm. None of us want to dwell there. We don't want to be a church community of people who cannot find themselves in a civil conversation with one another even though we disagree about perspectives, political agendas, universal things that are happening in the world around us. We as a church are called to something different. 
We're supposed to be a place where there is not fear of conversation, but openness to conversations, where we as people who are on the opposite sides don't find ourselves hating one another, but loving one another, even though we disagree about some of these things. And yet, how easily we can fall prey to the same things as the rest of society. Just simply look up the newest trend on Facebook. It is unfriending your friends who you disagree with, right? That's become kind of the new thing, evidently. If you disagree with somebody politically or socially, you find yourself just simply disconnecting with them and unfriending them on social media. And what does that communicate? What is the message that is sent? There's a psychological study that actually says and makes the point that hate not only affects the person that you are hating, it hurts the hater as much as anyone else. It hurts you personally. It detrimentally impacts your personal health. It hurts your relationships. It can hurt other things as well. You think about the impact that it has on a community of faith when hate becomes part of who we are, whether it be things external or things internal, whether it be brothers and sisters, agendas, things that we try to do. As a community of faith and people of this community, I think we're supposed to be knit together based upon one dominant characteristic, and that is the characteristic of love, not hate. We're not supposed to be prone to hate one another or agendas or things. We are supposed to be prone to love one another and thus be in conversation regarding these things. The first letter of John says that love is the antidote to hate. It is the power to bring light to dark places. John writes to a beloved community of people because he desires for them to live in the power of love. He knows that this power can enable them as people to not only change the culture of their community of faith, but to change and transform the world that is around them as well. And so he counsels them to recognize this. To recognize how hate can enter the heart and life and the damage that it can do. But yet to follow the simple command that was born out in Christ. Love one another. A community hates because it learns not to love one another. It forgets how to love one another. Hate, according to John, is the darkness that is in our world, and nothing good comes from that kind of darkness. Think of people like Adolf Hitler, right? A premier example in our kind of postmodern context and modern context. Someone whose heart and soul was so consumed by a kind of darkness and hate that nothing good ever came out of his power and his reign in Germany. Or think about Westboro Baptist Church. Any of you familiar with Fred Phelps' group of folks that are out of Topeka, Kansas? They protest at a variety of different things like military funerals and rallies and gatherings of, of ecumenical religious folks and things like that. They protest and they aren't there with signs of God loves. They're there with signs of hateful rhetoric. Right? Hate is darkness. But love is light, according to John. 
And it is a light that allows for good things to happen, for the good works to be done in and through us as a community of faith for the world. The things that God has intended for us since the very beginning. You think about the product of each of these. For hate, the main product is destruction. It is destruction of the soul. It is destruction of life. It is destruction of community. It is destruction of our world. But love's main product is growth and health. Growth and health of the soul and life and community and the world. Love empowers us to good, for the good of our own soul, for the better of the world around us. Love empowers us to comprehend and experience our divine creator. In the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God has communicated to us love from the beginning, steadfast and faithful always pursuing each one of us in love. And God has proven his love through Jesus the Christ who came to dwell and be among us and to give himself up for us. God continues to reach out to every single one of us in this love. And when we experience the power of it in our lives, it transforms. We understand. We understand the power of God at work in us and in the world, because love empowers us to comprehend and experience the divine. Love empowers us to welcome new people, right? It's joy and life that draws new people into a community so that they might share in that joy and life. That's what people look for in a church, is joy and life and love. Anyone ever been to a church where it seemed like they didn't like strangers and they actually didn't like anybody else, including themselves, right? Ever been in a church like that? Wanted to join the first time you were there? No. Nobody wants to join a community like that. They want to join a community that is light and hope, not a community that is dark. Love empowers us to welcome. Love empowers us to change the world as well. You know, love is a group of folks who gather together to sew dresses for little girls in need. Love is a group of folks who gather weekly to work on quilts so that they might auction them off for missional kinds of efforts. It's a group of parents and students and seniors who gather together to package diapers, sort clothes, set up shop on a Saturday morning in the basement of a church and hand these things out to under-resourced families so that they can get assistance that they need to survive. Love is a group of folks who sometimes gather on a Sunday afternoon often on a Monday morning so that they might prepare and take a meal down to a a group of folks at Neighbor to Neighbor, a meal that's much needed and very much appreciated. It's a group of people who make plans, fundraise, travel to another country for the purpose of sharing God's love that is for every person, even those beyond our borders. It's a group of people who figure out how to win a turkey trophy every year, right? Because we generously give to harvesters. Love empowers us to change the world. God's community is designed to be a community that is dominated by the character of love. God's love that is for every single one of us. But God's love that is for all people of the world. And for us to be the kind of community and people who are set apart for this. For this our work to love those who are around us and in the world. You see, I hope and I pray that each and every day this is the community that we are and will continue to be, that this is who St. John's is. 
and who St. John's always will be. As you go away from this moment, there's a couple of things I hope that you kind of hold on to and remember today from our conversation. I think we can all pretty quickly develop a list of things that we don't like in this world, things that we may even hate. Hopefully it doesn't include anybody sitting next to you. But we should remember that the writer of John reminds us that the dominant characteristic in our light should be in our life should be love. Love is the light of God. It dispels darkness. It creates newness in this world. And that God desires for all of us, individually and as a church communally, to live in the light that creates newness in this world. That we might share God's love through the world. So here's your invitation today. I'm going to ask you just one set of questions. They all are around this one thing. But here's the question I want you to think about. What do you talk about the most? In your day in and your day out and the conversations that you have, what do you talk about the most? Do you talk about what you hate in this world? The people, the things, circumstances? Or do you talk mostly about what you love, those you love, the things that you love, the God that you love? Because what we talk about, I think, says a lot about us. It speaks volumes to those around us about the dominant characteristic in our life. But I would say more importantly... It also teaches the little ones around us what and whom to hate or love. Would you join me in prayer? Merciful God, how often we have failed to love you because we have failed to love one another. How quick we are to judge others. How quick we are to demonize one another. How quick we are But even worse, how really slow we are to love one another. Oh Lord, we ask that you have mercy on us. May your love wash over us today, tomorrow, the next day, each day for the rest of our lives. May it change us. May it change how we see the world. May it change how we see others. We ask that you teach us how to respond to others, to respond first in your love. For this is the light that you desire for us to shine in the darkness around us. And so we pray, O God, that you help us to be a mirror of your light in this world. Through the power of your love made known in Jesus Christ, we pray these things.